All right. Welcome to the Iceman Kicking Podcast. It's the show with cold questions and even cooler guests. And I'm your host, Coach Brad Kellyan. Today, we have a very special guest, Clinton McMillan, who is a senior analyst with Florida State. Coach McMillan was a 2016 national champion with the Florida Gators under Urban Meyer. He was part of a coaching staff at Marshall University that led Conference USA in scoring, pass, total, and pass efficiency defense as well as a 2014 conference championship. In 2017, Coach McMillan led a defensive line on a defensive unit that was one of the best in the country at the University of Tennessee at Martin. And in 2019, he was in charge of a special teams unit that was top 25 in the nation in block kicks, punt return defense, and block punts while leading the conference in sacks. Not to mention, he coached one of the best returners in school history and in the nation that year, Terry Williams. Now, as I'd like to say, uh, Coach Big Chillin' McMillan, welcome to the show. How's Tallahassee doing, my brother? Man, it's uh, it's going well, man. Just getting back and sort of adjusting to all the uh, all the differences going on. Um, I wish I was. I wish I did win a national championship in 2016, but I'm old, dude. It's 2006. Did I'm, I mess it up? <laughs> no, you're all good. Um, hey man, that's that's what it's supposed to be. It's gonna be a little bit clunky, but no, I really appreciate it, man. I'm I'm glad to be on Tallahassee's been great. Um, you know, obviously I'm trying to look for the silver lining and all this stuff, but I think the opportunity to sort of exchange ideas and talk with people, um, you know, we all know the bad stuff that's going on out there. So I think but I think this is a great opportunity to sort of be able to talk to people that you don't have time to for for you know large extended chunks of time, man. Because really, other than the people in your program, you don't talk to anyone else. You know, this sort of gives you some more free time to uh, connect with coaches and ex-players and all those good things and, you know, just to sort of help the football community. So I think we all need it. I'm, I'm glad you're doing this thing, man. Yeah, awesome. I'm definitely learning that, too, as we go through this process is like once you're in season, I mean, you're just your guys and that's it. I mean, you're really not talking to anyone else. So this is a crucial time to learn from people. Doesn't stop, man. Doesn't awesome. stop. Hey, before we get into anything, I have to have plug a word from our sponsors, okay? This show is brought to you by The Kicker's Bible. The Kicker's Bible. Do you want to learn the ins and outs of kicking from NFL specialists, organized practice schedules for in-season and off-season so you don't overkick, how to get a full-ride scholarship offer, and the perfect long snapping technique for tossing a 6-5 ball on the hip every time? This book provides specialists with the ultimate guide containing everything necessary to find success as a specialist at the highest level. Coach Brett Arkellian has combined over 10 years of experience as a player and coach with countless hours of research to develop this handbook of the greatest collection of proven technique tips used by college and NFL specialists and coaches all in one place. The Kicker's Bible is a must-have for both coaches and players at every level who want access to the information essential to perform and teach at the best of their ability. Go to icemankicking.com to get your copy now. Okay, welcome specialists, coaches, dads of kickers, moms of punters, relatives of long snappers, dogs that shag kickoffs. This is the Iceman Kicking Podcast. We are here with Coach McMillan. Uh, Coach, now my whole mission here is to create a culture of specialists that have great character, they do things the right way. I do this because I would have loved to learn these points when I was a young specialist trying to comprehend how to kick without any resources or connections to professionals. Now, I'm no therapist, but let's talk about your childhood here. Uh, I know your father was from Workington, England. Uh, Tiger King was a cultural phenomenon on Netflix in April of 2020. 
and it's widely known that you are the Tiger King of the coaching world. I believe you grew up on a wild animal sanctuary. Can you explain to the people that don't know about your nickname and what that experience was like? Well, so growing up, my, uh, my family worked around exotic animals, um, you know, sort of burying the lead and just not making it a big deal. But it was, it was an unbelievable experience, man. My, my dad and my mother, my siblings, um, we all sort of did the exotic animal deal. And just like anything in your childhood, until you go visit other people, you think that's how everybody lives. So, you know, growing up, I was like going to people's house, like, where's your lions at? You guys don't have like your tigers in the backyard. So um, it was an amazing experience, man. And, uh, you know, really blessed. That is like something that you never forget, you know, and uh, the Tiger King thing probably misrepresented the majority of people who aren't insane and accused of murder. Um you know, but it, it, it was truly an incredible experience, man, to watch those things grow up from, you know, being this big to, you know, 650 pounds. Um, it was really, really amazing, man. So it was, uh, it was different for sure. Um, but hey, man, I, I figure if I can make a, make a lion shake my hand, it's easy to go get a guy to stay in his gap, you know. So it, it, was, it was good experience for me for sure. Man, you're not going to be intimidated by anyone once you work with tigers at the age of three. Hey, it's all relative, man. It's all relative. That, uh, you know, I really want to ask you, too. What did you think about the – I know they are the crazy side of things. I mean, did you come into contact with anyone like that? Or what was your experience with the people in that community? Uh, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you're willing to work with exotic animals, you're probably a little bit off. You know, the same thing. I'm sure people think that way about football players. You know, if you just went up to someone – and said, hey, uh, we're going to put 50 pounds of stuff on you and run into people and it's hot outside. Uh, yeah, go do that for three hours every day. Um, they'd look at you like you were crazy, but I think more so the same reason people get into coaching and playing, it's the effect that it can have on other people. And it's just, it's an unbelievable experience, man. You know, you can't describe it. Um, you know, seeing cubs being born and, you know, the, the, the heartache when you got to, you know, bury them. Um, you know, obviously it'd be great if exotic animals could be out in the wild and live forever, but uh, that's just not the case. You know, I mean, they, they can stay well fed. You know, I'm just speaking specifically to my environment. You know, all our cats, if anything, they're probably obese, right? Because they got to eat so much, you know, and um, it was it was different. But for sure, man, it's something I'll never forget, man. And, you know, my, my mother, uh, you know, all my siblings, my dad, like everybody did it. So it was just, I was the one that sort of veered off to the left and they're like, what, you don't want to work with lions? Why do you want to play football? So I, I was the weirdo, if that makes any sense. That's funny. Still are. No, that's a good one. That's awesome. All right. So you were a three-star D tackle out of Ovida, Florida. Oviedo. Oviedo. My bad. Being from California, you know, I don't know that Florida. Hey, it's all good, man. Anyway. Okay. I know you drew interest from UF, Florida State, Michigan State, Georgia Southern. Why did you choose the Gators? Um, I mean, really, it was just more so that was – so, like, back in the day, and I say back in the day, I'm, I'm dating myself here a little bit. Like, it wasn't like today where, you know, everything was – you could send highlight tapes online. Like, I had to go and send – get VHS tapes made and send them out by mail. You know, I still remember having to make 50 copies of it. So, um, went up to camp, had a really good – uh, showing there, ran really fast, was really strong. Um, and they were the first school to offer me. I mean, so uh, knowing I'd, I'd like to stay in state, um, 
you know, there was a lot of other schools that came in interest, but they were sort of the first ones to offer me. I mean, before they saw my film, you know, so um, it was a good experience. Uh, I, had, I was really close with the rest of the recruiting class and Coach Zook, um, Coach Red, Coach Strong, Charlie Strong recruited me. So I had a really good relationship with them. And I mean, I was committed to them my entire senior year. So before people were really committing early, I was I was done the summer before my senior year. Um, so, you know, it was a great experience, man. Got really close with a bunch of guys up there and was able to, to win a championship. So a great experience. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's definitely one of the fabled teams uh, in college football. Um, you know, fast forward 13, 14 years, uh, and I hear Coach Mullen had to tell you to turn left instead of right running back into that stadium. What was it like returning as a coach there? Uh, it was, it was great, man. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the, the principles and things I learned and the things that I value in coaching, um, that I used, whether it be at Marshall or Martin, uh, were cultivated there, um, you know, forever. That's the place I graduated from. It's where I won a championship from. So it was a, a little bit different. Um, but at the end of the day, man, it's football, you know, once the, once everything's done, you know, before the game, you're thinking about it after the game, you're thinking about, but during the, you're just trying to just hope that, you know, the, the ball bounces your way a couple of times, but great experience. And um, I get to do it again this year. So it'll be a, uh, it'll be another deal. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And you know what? I actually heard that. That's how coach Simpson uh, lured you into YouTube Martin. He said, Hey, Clint, if you come on here uh, in 2019, we'll uh, bring you in to play the Gators. And you said, killing it. Is that true? Is there any truth to that? They just say, hey, man, just come on, just run out of that tunnel there, man. You know? <laughs> oh, man, I love Sip, man. Good stuff. Okay. So one thing I've always enjoyed, I know other players uh, and also coaches enjoyed about you is your ability to connect with kids, and especially on Twitter. Now, can you tell me about where the inspiration came from your football-inspired tweets, most notably hashtag pretty girls like pass rushers, but they marry run stop. Uh, I mean, really, man, it was just more a, more a uh, byproduct of having to get out and create marketability at a place that a lot of people had never heard of. Um, you know, most people, you bring up Martin, Tennessee, they think that's like a guy. Like, huh? A guy named Martin? He lives in Tennessee? They're like, what are you talking about? They've never heard of UT Martin. Um, you know, so so much of everything now, especially with recruits, it's on social media. Uh, so, you know, it just gave me a way to sort of get our – message out and just uh, find something catchy, you know, and working with the defensive line. Um, everyone only cares about sacks. So, you know, I mean, if you, if you really break it all down, let's say you're, you're playing a 12 game season, you could play five plays a game, but if you have a sack every game, you're going to be a first team all American. So that's the one that, you know, all the girls are going to want to talk to, but the guy that's going to stay in the NFL for 10 years, he's going to stop the run. You know, that's going to, he, he's going to get the girl that can cook, you know, that has got a great credit score. So, um, you know, it was just sort of a function of being able to uh, market and, and recruit to a, to the school that gave me my sort of first opportunity. Um, and the kids like it. So if, if the kids don't like it, it's, it's not good. That's the number one thing in coaching. No doubt. Man. That was a great – you did a great job recruiting, especially Florida, uh, and I'm sure that definitely helped you for further uh, opportunities down the road. Um, talk to me a little bit now. We're going to get back more into special teams here. Just talk to me what you think about the importance of special teams. Why is it important? Why does it matter? Um, I just think 
special teams and not only specialists, right? I think some people get a bad rep. And when you hear special teams, you only think about kickers, punters, snappers, holders, right? Special teams to me is everyone in your football team, you know, take out quarterbacks because they're, they're doing their own, they're doing their own deal. Every single member of your team should be involved in special teams in some way. Um, you know, those are four more units that have to go take the field. So, you know, I, I don't think those are, you know, it's not offense, defense, and just special teams. There's punt, uh, R&B, kickoff, kickoff return, uh, field goal, you know, extra point block. Those are all units that don't matter until they matter. You know, like no one cares about the holder until he can't hold the damn ball. Um, you know, so I just think it's an unbelievable way to develop young talent on your team. Because what is everyone here in the recruiting process? You're going to score touchdowns. You're going to cover people. You're going to sack the quarterback. You're going to make 100 tackles, right? If coaches are honest, they should bring up special teams because that's going to be your ticket to earning trust. I just think, you know, you can develop roles for people on special teams if their offensive defense aren't going great. You know, I'm just going to stay specific to Martin. Um, you know, like Malik Harris developed a role on special teams. And players, you know, that may not – be going the way they want to on offense or defense. When you give them a role and they can take ownership in that, all of a sudden they become really, really good players. Like even at Marshall, a guy before you were there, DeAndre Wilson, um, had some knee problems, wasn't really good enough to play corner, but became an unbelievable special teams player. Like couldn't be held up as a missile um, against guys that got drafted. You know what I mean? So I just think it really gives people a role um, can help develop young guys and then even older guys, if their career's not going the right way, give them a role, let them, let them focus on that because everyone's got something to do. Um, and then, you know, obviously if you want an opportunity at the next level, there's only about 40 guys active roster on Sundays. I mean, people don't realize that, like take out the kicker, uh, punter, quarterbacks. You have to field an entire football game with about 40 people. Right, and then take out three offensive linemen because they're not going to do it. And then a first-round corner because he's not going to do it. You know, Ezekiel Elliott's not running down on kickoff. So you're probably down to about 35 guys to play a football game with four units of special teams. So um, it's really, really good. I think it, it's, it's a mainstay for developing young talent and keeping the older guys invested too. Man, I think you did a great summary of that. I was listening to Coach DePrado at uh, South Florida. And he was talking about how – um, you know, how important it is when those scouts come. It's about building your resume, right? So they're, they're going to say, does he play special teams? And what can he do as far as that unit, too? It's a, just another way to get in the league, just like you talked about. It's good. Um, okay, let's talk about punt. And I know, like, at UT Martin, we've done a lot of different stuff. We've done three-man shield, two-man shield. What do you like? What's your feeling towards those different types of punts? Um, I just think today, I mean, everything in football, like offense, defense, special teams, everything is about being flexible, being able to get out in space and being fast. So, um, I think everyone, you need the ability to play a three man shield, but I look at it, honestly, I look at punt from the opposite angle. What would I not want to see? Um, you know, a three man shield, those are three guys that aren't running down the field. So now you have the Long snapper who you never count anyway, three shields and the punter. So now there's five guys that aren't involved in coverage. Um, you know, so I look at it from that aspect where I'd, I'd like to be two man shield. Like if I'm in charge of it with the ability to get the three man shield, if you need to, um, 
you know, I just I, – I know that. When we were coming up with punt return plans, if they had a three-man shield, we were going to have big returns. You just have less people you have to block. Um, I think two-man shield gives you a lot more versatility uh, as far as formations, um, the ability to motion guys. Uh, you know, and I know we're going to sort of get into the personnel on those deals, but I, I just think the ability to line up in a three-man shield is valuable, but I think maybe the days of putting three offensive linemen back there are sort of over with. Yeah, I mean, you'll see, sometimes you'll see that too. Um, I, I think of like Mac football when I think about it, and just some big husky white dudes, and I'm like, you know, I don't know how good they are at covering, but yeah, talk to you alluded to that. Let's talk about what are you looking for on your punt unit, <clears throat> angibles, and then also body size. Um, specific to the shield, or are you just saying with everybody? Everyone. I mean, you could start with the shield, go to the front line and missiles. What do they need to know, and what are they built like? Uh, well, I think the first thing is, um, I always told you guys this, I mean, the punt team is guys, I, I gotta be willing to hand my car keys to, right? Hand the keys to my house and know nothing bad's going to happen. So guys that you can trust, uh, that's number one. Um, the other part is I think punt is not a special team. I think that's an offensive play because there's, there's no other play in football designed to get 45 yards, right? 40 plus yards. That's what punt is. Punt is a 40 yard change of field possession. Uh, field position. So I think if you look at it like that and realize the skill sets, um, like we said, number one is trust. I think pun is a great way to get your wideouts involved, especially at missiles. Um, Cause what's, what's a missile do, right? What's a gunner do? It's, it's releases. You know, you're going to be one-on-one with a guy, you know, where to go. You know, it's just like running a route. If we told you, Hey, you have to get to the goalpost. Uh, you have to get to this landmark. Just let your good wideouts go do it. Um, there and then inside the core, you obviously want to have some defensive players because punt and special teams in general, if you think about it like this, it's really a transition from defense to offense or offense to defense. So punt starting off is an offensive unit, right? You have to block, you have the ball, and you're, you have possession of the ball, and you're really changing field position, right? Kicking the ball down the field. Then as soon as the foot hits the ball, you turn into a defensive unit where you now have to cover, there's landmarks. You have to leverage the football um, and you go from blocking to turning into defensive players. So I think you have to just look at it like that. And and then inside the shield, I just think those need to be tight ends. Um, you know, for me, like, like Julian Crutchfield, he was a defensive lineman, but the guy that I trusted most on the team. So who do you trust to make those calls? Because especially with those shields, you're blocking people in space. You know, so what a defensive lineman get taught to do every single day for three, four hours at practice. They get taught to lunge and attack. Well, that's not what blocking is, right? Blocking is being in space, keeping yourself between you and a launch point. Um, you know, so I, I'd love to get tight ends involved in that. And you can put put bigger guys back there. But, I mean, if you're going to have maybe one offensive lineman, maybe that's your, your, your one guy there. But what do most coaches want to do? They don't want to put offensive linemen in space. Um, so, you know, again, it's the guys you trust that are going to get their job done because athletic ability is great. You, you know, if you have an athletic guy that you can trust, you're ready to roll. Um, but that unit specifically, you want to make sure it's guys you can trust. And the punter, he, he better be able to catch that ball and kick the piss out of it. That's about it, right? I don't really have any misgivings about, oh, how he strikes the ball, this, that, like, it better go 40-plus. That's it. I'm, I'm good with personnel on that. Hey, man, you keep it simple. That's important. Keep it simple for the specialists. Yeah, absolutely. We could get into so much about 
punters, but man, hands are everything. And that's why I tell my punters, get on the jugs machine, catch a hundred balls today. I mean, just, and work on your steps and getting the ball out there and releasing. I like the other thing you said about yards too. Again, keep going back to coach DePrado, but I was watching this team's talk yesterday and he said 49% of yards in a game comes from special teams units. So that's so important. Uh, your frontline guys, I know we had TJ Jefferson who was shorter than me, man. He was like five, seven, but he was super reliable. Um, ideally, if you have length, do you put them inside as a guard? Do you move them outside of the tackle or end or what do you, what do you do with that? Uh, a lot of that's probably a function of who you're playing as well. I mean, you want, you know, obviously your guards need to be probably if you had to, um, and this is just the way I personnel it. Those were your linebackers or your, your bigger guys. The tackles for me were wide receivers or, um, you know, safeties. So like for me, I wanted bigger guys because I, I value the A-gap, right? The, the A-gap is a newborn baby. You have to protect the A-gaps. Um, and then you have the ability to sort of flex out those tackles, you know, so. Uh, that's where you can get into those bigger wide out safeties at the tackles and then guards. You sort of want bigger guys, whether it be tight ends, um, linebackers, and, and really it's just who are the guys that are going to be able to execute those blocks. That, that's, that's really what it is. Like TJ starting middle linebacker was a great player, but I knew he was going to get his job done there. That was really all that mattered to me. Like, and, and that's the thing I think you have to be independent of on special teams and what you need to emphasize to those kids I don't care if you just got a pick six. I don't care if we're up 40 points. The first punt team is going. Um, that is a unit that, that is independent of score, time, or situation. Like, there's no point where, like, if you need a break, I, I remember on the side, oh, he's tight. Get his ass out on defense. Like, I, I don't care. He needs a break. Well, then don't throw him the ball. He needs to be on punt. Um, you know, if you need a break, get in better shape, right, because you're going to go on special teams. No doubt. And with punt, too, it's such an important unit, right? I mean, you give up one block and changes the whole momentum of the game, no matter. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, yeah, that's that's definitely important. Uh, intellectually or, or just what do they need to know? You know, I mean, I know it, it varies man and zone side, but a block point, I'm sure, is huge. Um, what do they need to be cognizant about for you and your punt? Uh, I mean, just understanding the launch point, right, where the where the punter needs to get. Um, and I think that's important for the punter to know, you know, to just like you, you see quarterbacks sometimes get sacked. It's not always the offensive line's fault, right? They, they got off their launch point where they're throwing. Um, you know, if the punter doesn't get where he needs to get, the punt team needs to know that that's not their fault. Um, you know, so, so much of that is understanding where they need to get, understanding who's rushing, right? Demeanors of guys rushing. Um, those are all things that I think are important and just communication. You know, I think, when you think about communication, you think of quarterbacks, offensive lines, you think of linebackers talking, um, you know, I mean, it needs to be a symposium as far as communication on special teams, uh, just knowing who to block, knowing, knowing what the issues are, because there's going to be problems. I mean, guess what? Every time you punt, probably someone's unblocked. You just got to make sure he's far enough away um, that he can't affect the play. So I think smarter, you know, there's never been a, a football team where you said they're too smart, you know, so just always growing their, their football knowledge and understanding the why, I think just always helps, you know, special teams, especially, uh, special teams for sure. Yeah. Special teams, especially for, for that too. But uh, talk me through, I like that. You can give me, give me good points now, what to focus on with my guys, especially when I implement my own punt. All right. Now you're, you're installing it. You're just getting into camp, you know, who knows when it'll be this year, hopefully, 
uh, we're starting August, but walk me through your, your, your first couple of practices. Uh, what do you stress? What's the progression? I mean, I think the main thing is expectations, right? They, they need to understand the importance of the unit. Um, understand this is, this is not a smoke break, right? This is not where you go to, to, you know, just to hang out, right? This is a unit that's going to be critical. Um, the importance to the rest of the team, the importance in the yardage, you know, the difference between, and I think that goes for the punter too, the difference between the ball being on the 25 after a touchback and inside the five is, is colossal. Um, you know, so just understanding the effect they can have on the game more so than the X's and O's. I just think it's the expectations because coaching that that's, that's your job, right? That's my job. Those, those are coaches jobs. Um, you know, but these kids need to understand the importance of the unit and, Whatever you do on offense or defense, I don't care if you rush for 200 yards, right? If you miss a block on punt, that, that's not okay. Um, you know, if, if you get blocked as a missile, like, I mean, I'm sure you heard that in the meetings. I would tell the guys all the time, what happens if you get blocked? You can't be blocked. It's not even an option, you know? So I just think that mindset is critical. Yeah, there's a cat crawling on my back. Hold on, I'm trying to get her off. Get off. Wildcat? Okay, just a normal one. Yeah. Um, yeah, not, not, not that kind of cat. But I think that's important is just to emphasize the, uh, the importance of the unit more so than I think, you know, the, the techniques. I think those things, will, those things will get taught. But the expectations um, and the importance of those units outweigh everything. No doubt. No, that's definitely important. You see a lot of coaches will have their expectations or their, you know, their keywords or their fun words for their unit. I think you did a great job. Uh, when you were introducing it to me, it might have been 2017, 2018, uh, when you're talking about Urban Meyer and how much he stressed it in his meetings. And then also, you know, we're not going to be messing around with this unit anymore. Like, I don't see any, you know, whatever, first round pick. So you better work your butt off in this unit. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the part I think it's important to just stress to your kids is um, and also with anything like you have to let them know what's in it for them. You know, letting your kids, hey, man. Like, let's not shy away from it. If you're at a place right now or any of you first-team All-Americans, you projected first, second-round picks. If not, this is, like you said, this is going to be a resume. This is what's going to get you a job. You know, Antonio Brown earned his way on punt team as a six-round pick, um, you know, and, and you add value that way. I mean, that's the reason there's special teams pro bowlers. Um, you know, you want to earn a job, add value to what you can do. I like that. And then Antonio Brown lost his mind. So, but yeah, he was definitely impressive. Completely separate, separate discussion, but. <laughs> yeah, he still yeah. put up big numbers in his career. Um, talk to me, a lot of coaches have, and I know this is clinic talk, you know, but it does really as a player and even as a young coach learning, some of these things that you taught me really stuck in my head. What do you like to say? Uh, talk, teaching them man and zone blocking technique. You had a good, a few good buzzwords. Um, really, it's just about your feet. I mean, I think that's everything, you know, just keeping them in athletic positions, um, understanding, you know, you're going to have to transition and move. So, like, anytime you have one foot in the ground, you're no longer a football player. Uh, that was something I always sort of tried to emphasize was, you know, if you're in a good, powerful position, you can change directions, you can get your feet in the ground. Um, you know, you can generate powerful angles. Just put one foot in the ground and try to make a cut, right? It takes forever, right? Just the ability to get your feet up and down. Um, I mean, that, that makes you a football player. You talk about uh, like when 
Eric Mangini was talking about Darrell Rivas and how did he know he was going to be the best corner? He said his feet were always in the ground. I mean, that's what it was. It wasn't how long he was. It wasn't how, you know, how fast he ran. It was his feet are always in the ground, so they can't run by him. Um, you know, so just emphasizing those, those things, I, I believe, are, are going to be critical because um, everyone's going to have different schemes. I mean, we're not just talking about the punt that we had at Martin or the punt that's at Marshall or the punt at Florida State. We're just talking about in general. Make sure that you give your kids tools because at the end of the day, they're the ones out there making decisions. Right, no matter what. Um, so giving them the ability to understand, hey, I can adjust my stance because of this. I can adjust uh, my alignment because of this. Hey, I can't adjust my alignment because I'm on the zone side, right? I can space out more because I'm on the man side. Right? Hey, my guy's in a two-point stance at two yards. He's not rushing. I can go versus, hey, he, he's, he's, in a, he's about to run a damn 40 through the A-gap, right? I got to be able to flatline that guy. Um, so I think just, again, that football knowledge, being able to emphasize um, emphasize and give your guys tools. You, you know, like, guess what? The guy who sold Picasso the paint, he doesn't get any credit, right? But he's just as important. Right? If you don't give him the paint, he can't paint. Um, so, you know, you want to give your kids tools so that they can go uh, execute on Saturdays. Put some respect on that paint, or that paint guy's name. I love it. Um, Thanks. <laughs> you know, as uh, – we talked about a little bit, you know, if I'm running your punt, your two-man shield, what do you like? What do you not like? Uh, especially your big, and I agree with this too, no, you know, not letting free shots from the A-gap. Uh, what do you like? What do you not like in your punt? Um, I mean, just protect. I mean, it's just like anything. Like I said, I look at it as an offensive unit, right? If you're trying to protect the quarterback, where don't you want penetration up the middle? Um, you know, so understanding where that launch point's going to be, teaching your punter where he's going to be protected. Um, but letting those guys know like, Hey, like this can't happen. Well, coach, he crossed my face. He can't cross your face. Well, coach, he did. He did. That's not even possible. Don't even let that enter the realm of possibility in your mind. Um, and the problems you see, I, I believe on all special teams is lack of fundamentals. I mean, really, if you look at it, there's not too many times that you're just out schemed where you're just like, damn, we don't have an answer. What it is, is you either, you know, starting with the coaches, you didn't emphasize it enough because it's never the kid's fault. Um, or they just didn't execute the technique, which again falls back on us because we didn't emphasize it enough. Um, you know, if a kid gets outside of his framework, if he just, you know, loses his mind out there, I'm sure it happened on Tuesday, Wednesday. So it's your fault for putting him out there. Um, so those are the, the, those are the just understanding where the problems are. Um, you know, eliminating vertical penetration uh, and just having answers. You know, I, honestly, I, I don't like to see the missiles doubled. Um, but I tell those guys, I, I don't care. You know, coach, there's two guys. I don't care if there's 10, right? The expectation is for you to get down the field and force a fair catch. If, if I cared about excuses, I would ask. You know, I've, I've never at one point said, hey, do you think you – no, you have to do this, right? And that's just the mindset you have to put into guys, um, you know, because if you give a kid a way out, they will. You know, and that, that goes from two-year-olds to 30-year-olds. Hey, yeah, well, if they do this, you know, don't, don't ever give a kid a way out. So, um, but again, that goes back to sort of what we talked about, the expectations, right? There are no excuses not to, not to get your job done. And if you don't, it was probably my fault because I didn't put you in position. That's good. I like that. Especially coming from, for me, coming from a JUCO and a Division II level and then seeing Division One and coaching at a Division One level, that's the biggest difference to me that you see is that it's like, 
the expectations and the demands from the high level coaches, that's what pushes players to be great at the, at the lower levels. Sometimes it's fundamentals might not be perfect or they might not really be asking as much of the players because they don't think they can do it. But I think with any great team, you have to ask as much as you can from your players. If they don't get there, fine. I mean, you lift them up, but yeah, if you need to ask, uh, have big expectations from your guys, no matter who they are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure you looked at it when, whether you were kicking or coaching a guy, if something didn't go right, if you didn't hit the ball the right way, it was never the scheme, right? It was probably your eyes weren't in the right place, right? Your feet, you were out of an athletic position, right? Something happened. The snap was behind you. Like all those things happen, um, you know, that get you out of your fundamental base. And I just think just real quick, just to touch on that too. I think it's always important as far as you talk about things to practice, you have to practice what happens when stuff goes bad. You know, like it's easy just to give you a perfect snap every time. But I think that's important too is teach that punter. Let's say that your, your block points, your launch points, you know, two yards to the right, right? Or it's behind the outside leg of the guard or the inside leg of the, wherever it is. But the snap pulls you to the left, right? The, the launch point doesn't change, right? You have to get the ball and get back to the spot where you're protected at. Um, you know, teaching those guys what happens when, hey, let's say that a guy makes a good move and he does somehow cross your face or does get vertical penetration or gets a great jump off the snap. Um, just giving them tools to be able to function uh, where you can't just, you know, say, oh, yeah, well, they got us. That's a, that's a really bad answer. Um, and, and that's how you can lose ownership, I mean, of your kids, where if you just tell, yeah, well, they just got us here. You know, nothing is more demoralizing to a football team than just, well, sorry, guys. Uh, better luck next time. You know, that, that's, that's bad ball. Yeah, and definitely the head coach doesn't want to hear that either, right? He doesn't want to be like, oh, well, yeah, that coach couldn't fix yeah. it. So um, yeah, it, it's funny you say that too as far as situations because it's like I'll give my guys drills where it's a bad snap drill, a bad hole drill where the laces are facing you or it's a bad tilt. Punters, we work on high snaps, you know, moving our feet. Um, that's definitely something that needs to be worked out. I don't think enough specialists, but, at, you know, teams in general really work on those bad situations. That kind of leads me to my next thing, too. If you have any tangents, man, feel free to go on. I'm going to love, love hearing those from you. But uh, talk to me about uh, a lot of coaches will stress different situations uh, before the season and during the season that they want to address. For example, uh, when you should fair catch the ball on a kickoff when you should it, you know, if it's like right by the sideline, it's about to roll out, let it go. Um, different times where you should take a knee uh, in the end zone or you should take it out. What is something that you work on situation-wise with your punt and punt return teams? Um, I think specifically starting with punt, I mean, the two that you emphasize the most because they're going to happen is, um, you know, when you don't have normal operating time, right, which means you're backed up, you're inside the four. Um, you know, I think that's important, not only for the punter, because he can't step, um, but it's important for the blocking, right, to understand, right, there, we don't really care about coverage right now, right, we got to get this damn ball out. Um, so that's one, and then obviously, I think the pooch stuff, uh, sky punts, where, you know, that's something that we talked about, the change in field position between the five-yard line and the 25, I mean, that can win and lose you games. Um, you know, and, and it all goes into team football, right? No, what's going to make your defense really happy? Going out there and, you know, the quarterbacks, you know, 
is on the goal line, you know, uh, coming out of the end zone. You have a chance now to flip field position, put points on the board as a defense, or, you know, just get a three and out, and now you get the ball at the plus side of the 50. Um, so I think those two are the things that everyone should always focus on and teaching those missiles, you know, how to down a punt inside the five. You know, that that's something that we work on independently. And I don't think you have to do it with the punter all the time. You know, just having someone throw a, throw a dirty ball down there where they have to get it down um, and simulating those situations more than anything. You know, you're not going to be able to have a guy run down 40 yards, 45 yards, five or six times and down a punt. Um, you know, so whether it's putting them on the 10 and just you give them a two whistle or whatever that thing is to understand, um, you know, those situations. And again, you have to give your guys tools. You know, most punt missiles probably don't know that you can catch the ball. You know, probably over half of them, I would say, like, if you get down inside the five and the returner runs away, you don't have to wait for it to hit, catch it. Right. That's exactly the same thing as down in the ball. But um, that all goes into preparation and then punt return. Um, Obviously, you just want to make sure the, the, all your eligibles are covered and you have leverage. Um, and just understanding, you know, hey, this is the, the situations with that, really. We can get into a little bit more about the unit. is just when you can execute blocks, when not to make blocks, um, you know, because the days of big hits are really gone as far as blind sides and, and things like that. So I think that's the, that's the thing to emphasize with your, your punt return unit is just, all right, when you get in this position, this is what you can't do. You know, these are the things you're allowed to do. And if I haven't coached you to do it, don't do it. Right. Cause usually when you see penalties, um, the kid made something up, right. It, no one's ever, no, no coach has ever coached an illegal technique and say, Hey man, this is how you drop your helmet below his chin and try to give him a concussion. Like coaches don't do that. You know, um, you know, so if a kid does something like that, it's, it's off script. So just emphasizing those situations, I think, are important of not only what you can't do, uh, but what you can do. Hey, talk about that. That's, that's pretty good. Talk about um, downing punts and how you guys work that. What's your what do you like to do with that? How do you like to drill that? I've always found that interesting, um, you know, if the ball's rolling around or if you're the first one down, second one down, uh, blocking out the returner. Talk to me about what you like to do with that. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is you, you remove the returner out of it for, for the guys that are downing the punt. Um, cause a lot of times, you know, they might be in a safe, uh, punt look where they're not really dealing with your missiles. So, um, you know, but again, it starts with the punter. You know, if you tell your missiles, they have to, you know, cover 53 and a third yards of goal line. That's, that's not great. You know, it's on your punter, uh, to put it in position where they can down the deal. So. Um, you know, placement of the ball, understanding how to get to the goal line, flip your hips around, um, you know, letting them know your body can't go in the end zone or, hey, your body can go in the end zone, right? That's the difference in the NFL. And, and like some kids think, oh, this is the NFL. I can't No, Your entire body can be laying in there, you know, and they might not know that rule, but that's your job as a coach to, to emphasize that. Um, you know, inside the box, I always kept those guys dealing with the returner because there'll be nothing worse than, you know, everyone's going down to down the ball and the returner just catches it and scores, um, you know, so those are completely independent units. But I think a lot of it starts with your punter putting the ball in the correct spot. And then, you know, we sort of break it up. All right, we're forcing fair catches Tuesday, uh, you know, Wednesday, we're going to be down in punts, you know? So I think it's just the same thing you do every day. Like most people's a run emphasis on Tuesday, if you're an offense or defense, and then 
Wednesdays, you know, third down and pass emphasis. I think you break up your special teams that way where everything is – one drill is not everything. It can't be like, oh, well, we're going to do fair catches and down punts inside the five. Oh, and we're going to work on being backed up. You know, you think you segment it and it, uh, it organizes it, number one, for the kids, and then number two for you as a coach. Yeah, I think you do too much and get confusing, right? We're doing yeah, it here. Sure. What's the focus? Like, yeah. Keep it simple, man. Keep it simple, stupid. That's what I've always told myself. Uh, one thing I really like, too, at, at UTMR that we did, uh, I think I might have been 2016, 2017, was just like hitting a rugby ball down to that corner, you know? And just that yeah. way, I was always – wasn't the biggest, wasn't the strongest, and wasn't the best. But other than that, I was a great punter. But – the one thing I did do well was put the ball in the corner, you know, I was good directionally. So uh, yeah. hitting that rugby ball and then letting, you know, having the first gunner down, getting the returner's face, maybe the second one, find the back line, uh, yeah. make sure that the returner doesn't pick up that ball when we're all circling, circling the wagons around the ball. Yeah. And I think that was something that Zane did a great job of too. When she left, um, you know, was that midfield to the plus 40, I don't care how it looks, man. Just get it over the defensive line and let's get the thing down. Because I think it might have been Tennessee State. I think he downed five or we downed five punts inside the seven. Um, you know, so I think it's just get over how it's supposed to look and talk about what your kids can actually do. Because that's the biggest thing. Like, it, would everybody want a five-second hang time and 60 yards? Absolutely, man. Sign me up for that, right? There's a reason there's only so many of those guys in the world, so. Um, don't focus on what your kids can't do, focus on what they can. So if it's rugby, build it around that, you know, everything starts with, with who's, uh, who's kicking the ball. Yeah. That's your quarterback, right? That's all I like to say. That's the quarterback of the special teams unit. So that's good stuff. Talk to me about uh, punt return. Now, what are some of the mentality? Uh, what's the mentality that you stress to your guys? Um, I mean, the biggest thing with these with this unit was, I mean, this was a bunch of scrappy dudes. Now, I mean, this was, um, I told them it's ten dirt bags, and you got one prize possession back there. That's the money, um, you know. So that that was sort of the mentality we went with, where even our the corners, right? I called them missile controls. They weren't necessarily corners. Those who was going to get the job done, whether it was a wide receiver, uh, safety. I didn't care. Um, I would take starting corners out and I would tell them in front of the whole unit, you are awful at this, right? You're the worst person that's ever done this ever. Now you may be a first round pick, but you don't take your work serious. So I can't trust you to do this. Um, so I think it's just finding independent guys that can execute jobs, you know, and, and having clear, concise roles in your head as a coach, like, all right, this is what my leverage guys need to look like. This is what they have to do. Um, you know, making it clear jobs for those guys and understanding like, hey, this is going to be a six second fist fight. Um, and all we got to do, like, you know, I, I was fortunate, man. Terry Williams is the best one I've ever seen do it, like ever. Um, and I would just always say, just start the relay, right? Just get one block started and get him out in space. Um, and he's going to do the rest of the work, man. He was really fun to watch. But that, I think, was just the, the emphasis of um, those guys knowing what they had to do to uh, – to get us out the gate. Um, and then number two is just let them know you might only get one shot at this, you know, like you might get none. Right. But the one, the one time you go out there, there's never a, all right, man, let's just fair catch and get out of there. Every, every time you take the field needs to be an opportunity to score. Um, 
and change the football game, right? You may not block a punt. Like Donnell Williams turned into a great punt rush guy. Never blocked a punt, but punters were terrified. I mean, teams had to start, like, motioning in and cracking him, right? So that's time they're spending doing that because he was just so good getting around uh, getting around punters, and he was long and just made it uncomfortable on them. Um, you know, and then just the returner, just another guy you got to be able to hand the keys to your house to and just say, hey, man, at the end of the play, I'd love for you to score. You know, we were fortunate with Terry. He led the nation returning. but don't turn the ball over ever. I mean, you have to own the football, man. Like don't even put that thought process in their mind because I didn't really ever talk about that. We just say possess the ball, right? At the end of the play, we need to possess the ball. Um, you know, I've heard own the football, which is a great, great term. Uh, with Terry was a little bit different because, you know, I told him, I don't care if the ball's on the negative one, you're fielding the ball. That's how, that's how dangerous he was. Um, you know, I sort of threw a lot of rules away. Uh, because of how explosive he was and, and the type of kid he was and how he worked. Um, but I think those are the expectations you need to have. And not only that, when you get that mentality and it works, I mean, those guys were like crazed dogs, man. Like the entire team would start getting on. Like when it was fourth and fourth and seven, like everyone was excited to see what was going to happen, you know? So, um, and when you're successful with those units, other people want to get on them, you know? And that again goes back to like what you're saying, cultivating culture. Uh, you know, when you have starting wide receivers like Jalen Moore, right? He's, he's a, a undrafted free agent with the Ravens. He was like, Coach, let me get on punt. Let me get on punt return. Let me get on punt. I said, No, I'll, I'll never let you field the ball ever. Right? You could be, you could go be, be a 10 year Hall of Famer. You will never get on this unit. Um, but it was just good to, to hear from him and, and, and want to be a part of those units, man. But guys, guys find ownership. You know, last year, like we had the, the one kid, D Ray, he was five, six, 140 pounds. Like we had to order little kid pads for him. Um, but was a starter on that unit all year, you know, defensive lineman found spots, you know, Cecil Cherry found spots um, to sort of carve out jobs on there. So I think it's one of those units that you can really, you know, skill set, you need a, a certain amount of skill, um, especially at the returner, but you got to have a bunch of scrappy dudes. That's the biggest thing. I think every coach wants that for their unit, right? For people to just get jacked up and pumped. Um, that's something I definitely respected about you and the units that you had was, uh, you know, the amount of intensity. I, I've been around so many coaches where it's just like, all right, let's just take the ball back and like go to offense. It's like this special teams in general is a way to change the game and make a, you know, huge impact, uh, swing the momentum. And that's what you guys did. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, and the kids always did a great job, man. Like that's what the, the thing I'm most, most appreciative about those special teams. They let me coach them hard. Um, I mean, cause at the end of the day, I can have all the best ideas in the world. If the kids can't execute them, it, it doesn't mean anything. So they let me coach them. They, they did an unbelievable job, man. Cause you know, if we were last in the country returning punts, I might not be on the podcast. So shout out to the uh, R and B team. You know, they, they did an unbelievable job and, um, Terry and the, the, and just that whole group of guys for, for buying in. No, you guys had a lot of success last year. That was, that was fun to watch. Uh, talk to me a little bit. How do you how do you build that around your your punt returner? I mean, okay, yes, you have a Terry Williams who's a freaking dude back there, right? Um, what what things did you like to do to get him into space, or or what did you you know how did you how did you build your unit around a good punt returner? Um, I mean, the first thing you sort of look at is who is like nothing got me more fired up than going against a good punter, you know? Because I mean, with all due respect, not every punt like it's hard to get returns off a bad punter. Um, 
you know, so you look at his really big returns, it's because the punter was really good. Like his one of his biggest returns of the season was against Kentucky. And that punter may be the best I've ever seen, like ever. I mean, he was like 60 yards every single time. So um, him, the kid from Jacksonville State, the kid, the you know, the Aussie from EKU, like those guys wow. that can really kick the ball, you're like, all right, we're going to have a shot. Um, the next thing, I, you know, that, that I look at is who don't we have to block? You know, how many guys do I have to work with? You know, we're going to have a certain amount of guys rushing the punter every week, but who don't I need to deal with, right? If you got a, a left guard that's a bum, right, and he's going to stand there and protect, or, you know, you have a right tackle that he's just on the unit, and, you know, it, it's not hard to tell. You watch film, guys that don't take these units serious. Um, and I start licking my chops as soon as I see that, right? If they have a three-man shield, I'm fired up because we're going to get a return. You know, if they're a pro-style punt, you know, um, how you're going to handle their missiles. You know, we didn't, we didn't double a lot. We had that ability. But I told those corners, those missile controls, you are by yourself, right? You, you, you know, and gave them tools to be able to keep those guys away. Um, but it's not hard to tell well-coached units, um, you know, looking at the tape. So, uh, guys that didn't emphasize special teams, we looked at as an advantage. Um, but it was really letting them know, hey, these are the guys that we have to block. You know, hey, there's – because if you watch every fair catch or every ta- – it's probably three guys. It's probably one of the missiles or both missiles and then one guy within the core. Get those guys blocked, right? Everyone else is just might just be out there hanging out. Um, you know, not necessarily, but certain times you see that and that's when you have a chance to, uh, to make a, a game-changing play. Good. Okay. So tell me, you found the guy who's a, you know, he's making all the plays. This is the guy who's, he's made every tackle on this unit. What are your, what are you teaching your guys to get them held up? I know people say it's a seven second rodeo, right? What do you, what are you teaching them? What tools are you giving them in order? So that guy doesn't make any plays on you. Um, I mean, I think it's again, in that mindset, I just tell my guys every yard that you can hold them at the line of scrimmage, that's 10 yards for a good returner. And we have the best one in the country. So it's probably going to be more than that. Um, just being able to show them, you know, showing rush demeanor, showing them where to place their hands, um, you know, being able to dictate their release. You know, that's something we got into this past season. Um, was, you know, what does everyone say? Oh, let him go the way he wants to go and just widen him. I mean, name another thing in football where you would ever say, let a guy go where he wants to go. You don't. So we wouldn't do that on part return. Like, no, it, we're going to make him go where we want him to go. Um, you know, we were never going to let a guy dictate anything that we did on, on special teams. Uh, so, you know, just maybe it's whether having two people run through him, um, you know, having a guy chip him, put, having a guy, a vice guy, just to sort of nudge him. I mean, all those things you want to be able to have. And it's just, again, it's tools for your kids to, you know, you got to scratch the itch, man. What's the itch, right? The left guard makes all the tackles. All right. Well, if we line up and we give him double A gaps, you know, he's going to have to protect longer. If you twist a guy in front of him, he's going to be slower. Um, if you stem, you know, is he going to, is he going to back up? Are they going to check the protection? You know, um, you know, just get, giving your kids the ability to be successful. I mean, that's all every coach wants at the end of the day. You never want to look at Sunday and be like, ah, I missed that. You know? So um, I, I just think that ability is huge. Letting your kids know, Hey, this is what you do. Uh, this is what we want to do, and this is how you get it done. That's one thing I like that we did uh, at UT Martin. It's definitely like a good stem, you know, because it really makes him hesitate a little bit and start thinking, all right, oh, crap, 
all right, this guy wasn't where he was. You know, he could have been outside of me. Now he's head up. Now he's inside. Now there's two in the A gap. Now I've got to think about it. And it just yeah, slowed I mean, down the, a step. The ability to move around, I think, is critical. And that's why, like, we always went to – we never really had guys in three-point stances. Um, just as it gives indecision to the punt team. When you're coaching blocks, and uh, I know a lot of the, you know, same, we've been around some of the same uh, coaches uh, when it comes to blocking punts. What, what do you focus on? You, you talked about Darnell, who, who did a great job of at least scaring a punter, right? As a punter, I never wanted, you don't want people in your face, right? It's just like a quarterback. If you're in a quarterback's face, you're going to, you know, mess up his accuracy. Same thing for a punt operation. Talk to me about, uh, how you taught Darnell, what you taught those guys on pump block? Um, I mean, the biggest thing is just how to avoid penalties. You know, you teach them the things to do. And listen, this is this is what you'll get in trouble for. Don't do these things. Um, and I think you, you always want to, in every position, you want to remove conflict. Um, so the guys that were going to, you know, pressure the punter, that's all they did. They didn't rep anything else. They didn't rep holding people up. They didn't rep you know, downing and like it was, this is your entire world, right? This is all you do is go pressure punters. That's it. That's, that's your whole reason for existing on this unit, right? You might've just went and scored a touchdown. You might've just dropped uh, a key conversion on third down. I don't care. Right. So the, the emphasis of, you know, getting that, that bad juju out of your brain and then switching yourself into the right mindset. Um, you know, so blocking punts, number one is you can't be afraid. You know, because when you look at guys and the ones that haven't blocked punts, they got scared, you know, and scared is a relative term. But you, if they're sort of looking away and, um, you know, they get out of the way of the ball, like, dude, you have pads on. I can hit you in the face with a baseball bat and you're not going to get hurt, you know. So, like, a, a ball getting punted into your face. Now, if it gets into your stomach, it's not going to feel good, right? Your hand might sting a little bit. Um, but just re- – and you have to rep it. That's, that's the number one thing. You can't get mad at a kid if his first time blocking a kick is in a game and he doesn't know how to do it. So you have to get those live reps and um, have a punter do a, like a, a real punt and you have to run through and, and take it off his foot. Now, you might only get that one or two times in camp, um, but those are critical, critical things to do. Yeah, and I know guys, can, you can rep it with the soccer ball, right? So you're not – Yeah, all that stuff's good. But, I mean, when the bullets are flying, man, it's it's a different deal. So you can't get mad at your kids if you haven't repped it enough. Um, you know, that that's a that, that's critical, I think, in, in all units is the first time your kids do something can't be in a game. Right. No, I agree with that. And I think, you know, my outlook on it is uh, punters, we're like uh, insects, all right, or like snakes. We're more, you know, not worried, all right, I'm, I'm totally concerned with my process and hitting a good ball, but shoot, if someone runs into me, I'm going to be in a whole lot more pain than you are, you know, so you, uh, as a pump blocker, I can run into that, you know, I've had my freaking ankle twisted and turned 14 different ways while laying in a pile, and uh, you know, that that getting blocked does not feel good, so I would go in there with that intensity, you know, for my pump block guys, it's like, we're going to freaking, you know, destroy this ball. Now, granted, you know, you want to have good body control around the punter. So you're not causing a penalty, but. Yeah. Well, I think so much of it too. It's just like, you know, if if you're in the wreck, you know, and you're playing basketball and you want to disrupt the jump shot, you're not going to necessarily have to block it to do that. Right. Just getting around him and letting him know like, Hey man, I could have got there. Like, you know, I told those guys, Hey man, you got to, Chirp a little bit at that punter, man. Those guys are piss ants. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta get in there. Hey, I'm coming for the next one, right? And it maybe just maybe it speeds up his operation time. Maybe it makes him shank one, 
You know, those are things that are just as critical. Like you don't have to block a punt to disrupt a punter. Um, you know, so just disrupting timing, maybe it's pulling him up a step early if he wants to rugby, um, you know, just, just grazing him, you know what I mean? Just all of a sudden you just, you're running by him, he gets rid of the ball, but just nudging him like, you know, look, you know, you just started looking around. So I think um, a little bit of psychological warfare with punters, man, you know what I mean? And um, that, that's the, because it's like a golf swing, man. You know, you can't really get, sometimes you're off. You know, I mean, sometimes you just get off. So I think so much of it is just if you can disrupt that guy's routine, um, that, that's that's the biggest part with disrupting punters. Absolutely. Pump block, guys. Get in those punters' head, man. Yeah, no no punter wants to be – because in the back of the mind, they're going to be thinking about it next time. They're, yeah. Oh, God, this guy's – Can't help it. Again. Yeah, you can't help it. You really can't. Um, when you were talking about your pump block guys, you might have two or three that just come after it every time. Do you put them in a separate pod to work that or? Yeah. I mean, that's all they do. So like their, their Tuesday or Wednesday looks completely different than the rest of the guys. Cause everyone has to be able to hold up people. Um, those guys that are going to block kicks, that's it. I mean, all they do is deal with, are you on the front side? Are you on the back side? Are you on a vertical plane? Are you not on a vertical plane? That's it. You know? So that's why they were able to do a great job at it is they didn't rep anything else. Um, you know, the one thing that they do have to rep at some point is just when the return gets out, you know, the being able to throw a legal block because they're going to be 40 yards behind the ball when he catches it. Um, so being able to get in guys ways because, you know, I, I did a poor job of that last year in Kentucky. Terry should have had a 98 yard punt return touchdown because um, we had one of the guys, one of the little guys that was the, a rush guy. Just he was doing this, telling the guy to follow him instead of going to block somebody. Um, you know, so I did a poor job of that, but that, that's, that's just something to, that you emphasize, but you can get that done and just, you know, that, that's not as big of a deal, um, to get that repped, but just teaching them, Hey, look, this is how we're going to avoid penalties. This is your tools. This is what you're allowed to do. This is what you're not allowed to do. Cause I wanted to give those guys freedom. Cause really at the end of the day, I didn't care about them leveraging, you know, necessarily the formation. You have to leverage the punter. That's the only thing that matters. Make sure the ball can't get outside of you. Um, so giving them some freedom and alignments. Um, but again, that goes like circling the wagons again, like it goes to who do you trust? You can't give people freedom that you don't trust. So you can't say, Hey man, you can line up wherever you want to get your job done. Yeah. But you, you're just a terrible person. You know what I mean? You gotta have guys that you trust. How do you find those guys that you trust? Is it just people that take their work very seriously or, or they're, they're, you know, how do you find those guys? Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's not hard to find guys that love football, you know, cause it looks different than everyone else. Right. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a prodder in poker, man. You know, I'm, I'm going to find out if you love it cause I'm going to challenge you, you know, in front of other people. And, you know, it's always the, the guys that love football are never the, come on, man, you try me coach or man, why are you, and you just don't like me. No, I, if I don't like you, it's cause you're not very good right now. Right. And you don't take your work serious. You don't go to class. Um, you know, those are guys that I don't like. I like guys that take their business serious and that are really good and execute at a high level. You know, I don't care what position you play. I don't care if you're on offense, defense, guys that can execute well, they, let's, let's find a role for them. Um, you know, so, it, I mean, there's never been a guy that you've questioned, does he love football? Because if you're questioning it, he doesn't. You know, like you can tell what it looks like right away. Um, so it's not hard to find. And it's sometimes guys that just want to take ownership, man. Guys that are guys that are in a transitional period that want to become better. Maybe their career hasn't gone the way they've wanted it to. Um, 
you just have to talk to them and be like, listen, man, I know you don't, you know, you thought you were going to come here and be a four-time All-American. You're not right now. You know, honesty is sort of, I think, important in that because, you know, you don't have to be a great player production-wise to be a great special teams player. Um, you know, like if you're a hold-up guy, you may get zero stats the entire year. You may be a critical piece uh, to what gets done. No doubt. I think that's so important. And and kind of like what you talked about earlier, giving them roles, you know, where even if they're not a starter, this is something they can really take to heart and take seriously. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, we covered so much here in about an hour. I appreciate you coming on here. Maybe one last question is. Yeah, shoot it out there, man. What, uh, what advice would you give for young special teams coaches and just young coaches in general trying to, you know, learn from people who've been places? Um, I just think the biggest thing is put yourself out there, man. You know, you're not going to learn anything if you don't expose yourself to it. Um, you know, cause coaches, man, like we all want to talk football all the time, you know, like no one is more excited to talk football than coaches. So don't ever think you're sort of, um, you know, you're, you're getting in people's way or you're bothering them like this time more than any, this time may never happen again in football. Um, you know, and, and empty your cup, I think, would be the next thing. Because if you think you know everything, you are wrong, right? Because football is ever-changing. Um, you know, empty your cup because if it's full, you can't put anything else in there. So be willing to change. Like, I've completely rethought. Even from last season, we are the number one punt return team in the nation. I've rethought the way that I will teach it for the next time I coach it. Um, the same thing in punt. We were great net punt, right? I think we we're 12th in the country uh, return yards against, um, I've rethought the way I would do it. Right. So every year, uh, football changes, man. Right. I mean, we, we watch it 10 years ago, just go back 10 years. People were just starting into this spread punt phenomenon right now. Everyone spread punt, right? There's no more pro style punt really in college football. Um, you know, and, fair catches coming in and rule changes, um, you know, stay on top of all those things. But young guys, especially, man, don't ever think that you know everything. And old coaches too, man, like I'm, I'm going to constantly reinvent and I redo my book every year. Um, you know, these are the things that I like. These are the things I didn't like. There's no perfect way to do anything. Um, you know, the one thing that's, that's going to be consistent through football is inconsistency, right? Stuff is going to change every single year, whether it's rules, personnel. Um, you know, we all remember those, those wedges on kickoff return where you used to be able to, you know, blow guys up. Well, not anymore, man. Um, you know, and adjusting and not being the, the get off my lawn old guy, you know what I mean? Being willing to change. Um, you know, I watched that Bruce Lee thing on ESPN and be like water, you know, fit in any container, still be able to carve through stone. Um, you know, so just put yourself out there, especially with those young coaches and always be willing to learn. Absolutely, man. That's such great advice, especially for young coaches like me. I, every day, like that's my goal is to go out and talk to someone new or go out and learn something new. And that's what really this podcast is all about, special teams and specialists and just learning something new every day. So, man, so much good info. Thank you so much for going on and also giving us the motivation to do this. So we appreciate For sure, man. Hey, and everyone listening, man, y'all order my dog's book, man. Y'all stop playing with my guy, man. Iceman Kicking. Go get the book, The Kicker's Bible. Order the thing. Support this young man, right? He's, he's, he's a uh, 
what was it? He's a graduate assistant, a quality control with all that stuff. So he's working for peanuts right now, man. I've actually cost him money making him sit here for an hour. So you guys order the book, man. It's, it'll be a really good read. I got mine on the way. That's right. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you got in yours yet. And you know about that whole experience. It's funny. I was listening to the Bathka thing and uh, you had some funny quotes. It's just about Marshall. And if you guys put all your salary together, you'd still be under the poverty line. hundred percent, man. Hey, and I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change it for a day, man. I haven't worked a day in my life since I started coaching. That's right, man. It's the best of times and the worst of times. It's great stuff. So yeah, I appreciate that. You guys, if you're interested about anything that was discussed here, you can go to icemankicking.com uh, for more info on specialists or keep turning into the Iceman Kicking podcast with fantastic guests like Coach McMillan here. Coach, appreciate everything you do, man. Appreciate you, brother. I'm going to get out of here, man. Good talk. Be safe. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. We'll see you.